1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: Forty five dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Equity
0: minds.
1: I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I
0: learned at 20 is Equity. <laughs>
2: Welcome to another episode of the Equity Mates Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Superhero. Over 12 episodes, we're deep diving into some of the most exciting, interesting and well-known companies from both here in Australia and over in the US. In some instances, we'll be hearing directly from the CEOs to give you first-hand insight into their companies. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going?
3: I'm very good, Bryce. I'm pumped for this episode, excited to talk about it because... This is one of my favourite companies.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I love this company. We both own it, so um, that's just some disclosure. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Um, but, yeah, look, I can't wait for this episode. I've been hanging out for it for a while. So without further ado, we're going to be doing a deep dive on... Airbnb, it is available over on the NASDAQ. The ticket is ABNB, also available on the Superhero platform. And a big thank you to Superhero for supporting the summer series. Superhero allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees, and you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions, and fees and charges apply Uh, As always, with all of these episodes, we are now getting close to the end of the summer series. We've been giving away $2,000 a week, and this episode, you also get the opportunity to win $1,000 into a superhero wallet. All you need to do is uh, listen to this episode, take one of your favorite facts that you learned about Airbnb. Ren and I do remember every single fact that we talk about in this episode, and then drop it into the corresponding post for Airbnb on our Instagram Tell us what you learned and uh, we'll choose one lucky equity mates or superhero uh, community member to win a $1,000 into their superhero wallet. We'll announce that on our stories at the end of the week.
3: And, God, there are some good facts when it comes to Airbnb.
2: Yeah. Well, Ren, let's do it. There's no more interesting fact than the founding story. I think it's uh, – a it's in, almost etched in folklore it's start- startup folklore
3: there's probably two contenders for the worst original names well actually yeah. no there's probably more but the facebook.com yes. is always known as uh one uh name that it was it was good to change it was good to change early another name that was good to change early was airbedandbreakfast.com <laughs> bit clunky tough to write in the uh in the url but yeah it was started What, 2007? I think so, So, what, 14 years ago? Not that long. It actually started with two mates, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia, um, and then they brought a third mate in, but literally started with an idea to make some extra money uh, when there was a design conference in San Francisco. They rolled out like an air mattress and rented that air mattress out to people attending the conference. That was the idea. Yeah. Make a few extra dollars.
2: Pretty straightforward.
3: Not bad. From there, they decided to make a go of it as a business. And have you seen the uh, Obama O's and Captain McCain serials? No. All right. Well, hold on. Take a step back. So they tried to raise money. They spoke to fifteen angel investors. They were trying to raise one hundred and fifty grand at a one point five million dollar valuation. Okay. They couldn't raise. At all. Eight replied. The other seven just didn't even reply. Four said it didn't fit their thesis. One said they didn't like the market. Three just were a no. So fifteen investors had the chance to invest in Airbnb at 1.5 <laughs> oh mil gosh. valuation. It's now like 150 bill almost. <laughs> 130 bill, but still like incredible. They kept working on the business. And the it was, I think it was at the Democratic National Convention. They sold like 80 beds um, on their platform. And weren't making any money. So they made these cereal boxes and sold cereal. And it was 2007, 2008. So it was when Obama was uh, going against John McCain for the presidency. And so they made Obama O's and Captain McCain cereal boxes and sold cereal, $40 a box, sold 30 grand worth of cereal, and that kept them afloat. Then they go to Y Combinator, which is that um, startup accelerator in the US, in San Fran. And Paul Graham, the head of that, was so impressed. He was basically like, if you can sell cereal at 40 bucks a box, you can sell beds. And they got into Y Combinator and that was then when they went thermonuclear.
2: Epic story, yeah, epic story. Well, um, that has obviously turned into a pretty successful um, business that has been truly disruptive to uh, to the industry, and we will touch on that in a in a short moment. But for those of you who have no idea what Airbnb is, uh, since founding in 2007, they have expanded to become part of the shared economy and uh, essentially have listings for uh, s- rental spaces in more than 220 countries around
3: the world. You started that sentence with for those who have no idea what Airbnb does and then I don't think you really gave them that idea.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. I feel, feel like does it, surely any, everyone knows about it. but
3: It's a two-sided marketplace where people <laughs> who have homes or rooms to rent can list them and then people looking to rent those rooms for short-term accommodation can rent them.
2: And who doesn't love a good marketplace? Great business. It's a great business. If you can can
3: build it, it's a great business. So
2: uh, they have over 15,000 employees, 5.6 million global listings and uh, about 4 million hosts. Uh, And we know that they're doing a lot of work on the host side of things. We've done some campaigns for them here on the show. I'm sure you've heard them. So we're going to dig into that in a moment. But Ren, let's talk about how disruptive they have been to the hotel industry.
3: Yeah, well, they've recently ticked over a billion total guests, a billion total guests that have been hosted through their platform. Pretty impressive. You would think about Airbnb and you'd think the fact that they've had a billion guests go through their platform and you'd think they will have decimated the hotel industry. And surprisingly enough, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. It's not quite the case that they have just decimated the hotel industry The National Bureau of Economic Research from the US government analysed the effect that Airbnb had had on the hotel industry and they said that in some of the major American cities, they had resulted in 1.3% fewer hotel nights booked and a 1.5% loss in hotel revenue for hotels and then a 3.7% drop in profits for hotels. So not numbers that are you know mind-blowing and stark and i think that's the key nuance when we think about what airbnb has done to the hotel industry it's not that it's it's not that it's just taken market share from hotels it has but it's also just massively expanded the market. Mm, it's mm. created this whole new category, this whole new part of the mm. short-term stays market, mm. and then it dominates that niche.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. But speaking of, so market cap. You mentioned at the start, one hundred and thirty billion dollars. If you look at that compared to some of the traditional hotel competitors, so a core uh, large hotel chain has a market cap of nine point three billion. Marriott a uh, market cap of fifty point seven. The Hilton hotel chain has a market cap of thirty-nine point eight. So. Uh, a market cap for Airbnb of 130 billion is more than those three combined as well as having a, a small 30 billion left yeah. to to cover any of the other smaller hotel chains so those three hotels represent about 30% of the entire global hospitality market according to some numbers in 2019 so yeah it's it's certainly Impacted current hostel hotel industry, but to your point, created an entire new industry.
3: Yeah. And a lot of hotels now list on Airbnb. About 15% of Airbnb's listing are, listings are hotel rooms. Um, and it's been particularly good for boutique and smaller hotels to compete against some of the, the bigger chains. But there's no doubt that Airbnb has been a disruptive force in terms of consumer habits. I can say that I never search for hotels anymore. Like, if I'm traveling, it's Airbnbs. Like, we went to Japan pre-pandemic. It was Airbnbs in every city. Yeah. Yeah. When I, like, go away for, like, a weekend or something, never would think about hotels. I mean, I think about them, but But I've never stayed one. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's having everything at your disposal for me. Yeah. It's one of the biggest draw cards. Yeah. you know, you, you get, you're not just in the hotel room. You have to go and buy food and you're kind of locked away. You can be somewhere with all your mates and, yeah, it's just... We
3: didn't actually look for data on this, but you know what part of the travel industry would have been decimated by Airbnb? Service departments. Service departments, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Bryce, at the start of this, I spoke about how Airbnb is one of my favourite companies. Yes. And we've spoken about how it's been disruptive. But the reason that it's one of my favourite companies is because... I love a business that sees an industry and is disruptive not just in terms of like technology or something like that, but Airbnb has been disruptive in terms of the business model of hotels. Okay. Think about an Airbnb and think about a hotel and think about when you pay.
2: You pay when you, when do you pay? You pay when you finish your stay.
3: At a hotel or an Airbnb? At a hotel. So at a hotel, you pay when you check out. Yeah, Correct. Yeah.
2: When you hit up an Airbnb, you pay when you book and then you're hit up with um, any sort of damage afterwards if, <laughs> if, you, if, if
3: you do damage. <laughs> so yeah, you are always paying twice. But yeah, that's the thing. So with an Airbnb, you pay when you book. And then if you need to get a refund, you request a refund. Um, with a hotel, you book and then you pay at the end of the your stay. Yeah. Now, what that means is cash flow. Yes. It just means that uh, Airbnb are just getting cash up front and then it just changes the, the way that they're able to use cash. And for me, that's just something where they've seen a way to create a new category and then to change the terms upon which like the relationship with the customer happens. Because if a hotel, you know, when when hotels were the only thing, if one hotel tried to change the model and said, we're going to be doing cash up front and every other hotel didn't, customers just wouldn't have copped it. Well, that's
2: why a lot of the booking sites as well, booking.com, uh, what are some of the other, Expedia, what if, Expedia, yeah. a lot of them you can make the reservation and not pay uh, until you actually get to the hotel. Yeah, okay. Probably to that point because the hotels themselves, that's their model. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that, Airbnb have been able to change that mindset in the consumer. Hmm. Mm. So uh, the other great thing about the business, Ren, is the, the marketplace itself. And, you know, we've seen many instances where businesses have created great marketplaces and they're just great businesses, you know, providing value, two-sided value. Yeah, I, I- get value as a host. If I'm giving out my room, you get value coming and staying in my room.
3: So both sides get value, but I think the other important thing is that both sides have got more value than what came before. Customers have got cheaper travel. And then for hosts, the short term, putting their home on Airbnb is often the way to get the most return rather than like renting it out or anything, which has a whole host of other problems. But Airbnb is a platform that has created more like incremental value for both sides on the marketplace.
2: Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, and it's fascinating. I remember a couple of years ago when we were looking around for some rental um, space in Sydney, in sort of the Potts Point area, and a lot of the agents were saying that people were specifically buying in that area just to do Airbnb, yeah, to do yeah. Airbnb rental. Pre COVID, they got decimated from COVID. yeah, But um, yeah, just the way that it even changed the way people buy property and thought about property.
3: Yeah. It's really controversial because it uh, decimates housing supply mm. in like really popular touristy areas. Mm. It's like uh, parts of Europe, there's been a lot of problems. Uh, places like New York, there's been problems. Mm. It also, there's a lot of taxes on hotels that airbnbs can avoid so like don't get us wrong this is not an industry uh, this is not a company without controversy and i think the the startups of the early 2010s were characterized by that like i think about uber and i think about airbnb together as these global disruptors that built global network effects and made regulators catch up with them yeah airbnb in some senses is still doing that but the difference between Uber and Airbnb for me is that Airbnb was able to create this monopoly position that no one else has really been able to touch, whereas Uber is now in a competitive fight in both of its major business units.
2: And if you want a great insight onto the into the Uber story, read Super Pumped. Uh, you get a great uh, And if you want a
3: great insight into both of the companies, read The Upstarts.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. I haven't read that one. Okay, well, Rand, let's uh, have a chat about the industry at large. But before we do, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsors.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
2: This episode is proudly supported by Vanguard Super.
1: Vanguard
3: Super's lifecycle investment option is brilliantly designed for ease, automatically adjusting your investment mix as you get older.
2: Okay, so Ren, what does that actually mean?
3: It means that you can rest easy knowing your super is in steady hands. Vanguard Super leveraged 45 years of global investment expertise to automatically de-risk your portfolio leading up to and during retirement intelligently designed to focus on growth investments in your younger years and gradually introduce more defensive investments as you age, decreasing your investment risk as you near retirement. All without you having to lift a finger.
2: Nice. So head to vanguard.com.au/slash super to explore Vanguard Super.
3: Vanguard Super Proprietary Limited is the trustee of Vanguard Super. Read the relevant PDS and TMD available at vanguard.com.au/slash super and consider if a product is right for you before making any financial decisions.
2: So, around the industry, the hotel industry, where, where um, or I guess the hotel travel industry, um, where Airbnb are playing, is massive.
3: Short term accommodation industry Huge. is estimated at $3.4 trillion, according to Airbnb. I think that's probably generous. I think that's
2: definitely generous. Yeah, it's enormous. (laughs) (laughs) So let's have a look at some of the major competitors uh, for Airbnb. So obviously you've got the hotels. Uh, We mentioned some of the the big chains uh, earlier before Hilton, Marriott, Accor, but then other platforms that are going head-to-head. You've got tripping.com. They focus more on the the long-term stays here in Australia and I think overseas as well. We've got stays.com. That's one that I, I do use. Home to go. Uh, is another one, and FlipKey, which was acquired by uh, TripAdvisor. Don't Zillow also play in this space? I don't think so. Oh, they're, they're, just, they're like the REA They just rent. I know? feel
3: like you've missed the biggest one, though, which is Expedia. Expedia. So they own um, Hotels.com uh, and a few other ones, Expedia.com itself. Booking.com's is
2: um, another one. It's pretty big.
3: They're their own company, Booking Holdings or something, isn't
2: it? Yeah, I think so.
3: Yeah, yeah. So there's a few other big ones, both... Expedia and bookings are listed both on the NASDAQ. So there are some big competitors in this space, but I I think the the way that you can sort of conceptualise the industry is the whole travel industry sits with aggregators now. So it's very rare that someone will be a Hilton Rewards member or a, a Core Platinum member. I don't know if I'm getting them, their loyalty programs right and like only go to com or Hilton.com. I mean, there are some and are especially some businesses, but even businesses these days go through aggregators. So for normal consumers, they'll be going through a Booking.com and Expedia, uh, you know, hotels combined or an Airbnb and then business travelers will be going through like a corporate travel management mm, or something mm. like that which is still like a platform that aggregates a number of different options. So they're like the aggregator part of the market and then there's the actual accommodation part of the market. And Airbnb is an aggregator. It's it's playing in the aggregator space and just clipping the ticket but rather than having to partner with big hotels or you know any any of those other I guess, short-term, established short-term accommodation companies, they're just aggregating normal people's houses. Mm. And that gives them a competitive advantage. advantage, yeah. In terms of the Mm. mum and dad renting their house while they're going on holidays don't have a cost base that they need to cover and can be a lot more elastic in their price than Hilton can mm. and stuff like that. So that then leads to their pricing dynamics. So in the US, Airbnb can be between 6 and 17% cheaper than hotels. In Europe, the estimate is between 8 and 17% cheaper uh, than a regional hotel's average rate. And that's because their supply is different
2: yeah yeah huge fascinating company um, who is generating a fair bit of revenue market cap of 130 billion but total revenue has increased from 2.5 billion in 2017 to uh 5.3 billion uh in 2021 it has slowed down a bit though given what has happened with covid but I think they've their latest report was a best ever Q three. Uh, I think they reported their highest quarterly revenue, and they also, um, in terms of profitability from memory, it was their most most profitable quarter. Yeah, they've they've really rebounded now from from COVID, and there is some changing consumer behaviour going on, which we haven't touched on, um, Ren. Which we will in a moment.
3: Yeah, before we do, let's just talk about the fact that the worst possible outcome, the worst possible nightmare scenario for Airbnb happened. In the last eighteen months,
2: travel was dead.
3: Like travel died. People were locked down, so there weren't, there wasn't even you know like staycations or you know weekends away or anything like that. Their revenue in twenty nineteen was four point eight billion, and in twenty twenty it was three point four billion. If in the very worst case scenario that you can imagine, your revenue drops thirty percent, and you still do over three billion dollars in revenue when no one can travel. Like I would say, that is a pretty resilient business. Yeah,
2: where was the long term stays? Like, what was driving that three point four billion? I wonder, because no one was going anywhere in domestic.
3: I mean, I guess no, it's not like everywhere in the world was locked down at the same time for a full year. Yeah, true. Felt so like it. It felt like <laughs> it. But I guess, especially in the States, like they were pretty loose. Actually, was, Europe, Europe, was Europe out had a about, big summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So going for it. they still had a, 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 num- a lot of travel. Yeah, that I think that resilience is pretty impressive. And that really gets to what we saw uh, recently, at least recently when we we're recording this, which is their Q3 results came out and you were blown away. So I'll let you talk to it and what we learnt about what Airbnb might be longer term.
2: Yeah, so it was, they obviously had a very successful Q3 report um, and no doubt that a lot of the supply and demand is coming back around the world and and Airbnb is kind of getting back to to full strength. But COVID really changed the dynamics of the way people think about going away on holidays, but also uh, think about living away from home. And so we're seeing longer rentals now take place on the Airbnb platform. People are being more flexible with the dates in which they can go away rather than having to work from home for two weeks and then having that um, hard deadline of a two-week annual leave. You can work from home anywhere around the world in some instances. And so people are, yeah, using the platform in a different way, staying longer at places. And so instead of being a short-term rental platform, the numbers are now starting to show that it's longer term.
3: So to give you an idea of this, um, I'm flexible Feature, features yeah. uptake. So that's that's really leaning into the whole people can work from anywhere. So, Just give you
2: any time in January. Yeah,
3: they can tell the platform I'm flexible as to my travel dates because I can work from anywhere. Uh, since it was introduced, it's been used over 500 million times. Mm. And obviously, a lot of people are probably just searching and not booking, but still...
2: Yeah. half a billion yeah another part of it so that's the demand side the host side is is starting to uh, really ramp up as well we know we've done a lot of um, advertising through the podcast for Airbnb you know we've spoken about the competitive advantage coming from the supply side as well and their ask a super host we think is a great um, campaign and, and a feature that now allows hosts to actually get in contact with other hosts and uh, um I guess, allay some of the fears that they have around hosting.
3: The hosting side, the supply side for me, is the biggest risk to this business because there's a lot of noise in certain markets around um, the supply of housing being taken away from, you know, renters and people looking to buy for Airbnb and the like. That noise will matter. But I think more importantly, like, it'll be their biggest limitation to scaling for a two-sided marketplace to continue to work supply and demand need to always sort of be in equilibrium because if supply stays relatively fixed but they keep getting more and more people trying to book accommodation prices will Mm -hmm. go up and then all these cost advantages they have over Mm. the hotels of the world will start to erode similarly if supply stays fixed and to keep prices stable demand stays fixed then the business just isn't growing Mm. For Airbnb to keep growing, they need supply to keep growing in line with demand.
2: They also need good supply.
3: Yes, that is another very fair like, point. Like
2: you can't just keep having the four four bedroom brick house in the far away suburb. If that's the the fastest growing supply then it's not going to work. Yeah. You want those unique stays that a lot of people are going to look at, those stays that do still feel like a holiday, a bit of luxury, whatever it may be, convenience, location. They're always the ones that people are looking for and if that doesn't continue to grow, then you also have a bit of an issue.
3: Yeah, well, this, uh, this leads me on to something that I wanted to talk about because for me, Airbnb is a company with a strong core business and an incredibly weak everything else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that Airbnb just has a history of failed product extensions. So they have this incredibly strong two-sided marketplace, this incredibly disruptive business model that has, you know, hundreds of millions of users. But every time they try and tack something onto it, it doesn't really work. So they, try, they launched trips, Airbnb trips in 2016. Yeah. Have you used it?
2: Well, I was just going to say, I bet just thinking about the platform I can... I can picture what they're going to be. It's the foray into trying to get people into restaurants and experiences, trips I've seen, never used. I
3: don't think you have seen trips. I think it Gifts? got shelved. Oh, I, th- I swear. Oh, well, I- maybe it's still there. Yeah. It, you would have seen experiences. Experience still there. Maybe I'm conflating the two then. So trips was launched in 2016, uh, which was meant to be a centralised platform to manage your travel from start to finish. So like securing flights, that gotcha. kind of stuff. It got shelved because of COVID. Well, the transport project got shelved because of COVID, but I think it had been sort of pulled a long time before that. So that didn't really work. As part of Trips, Experiences was launched under Trips. Now, Experiences is now it's like its own sort of category on the Airbnb app or the Airbnb website. Brian Chesky, who's the CEO and the co-founder, has come out and said he saw experiences equally as important as accommodation. No way. Have you booked an experience with Airbnb experiences? Never. Neither. Yeah, I yeah. don't think I ever will. Yeah, so that one hasn't failed yet, but I just don't think the uptake is where it wanted to be. They also had a content play. They were going to get into travel content. Every business is a content business these days. Classic. Have you watched anything from Airbnb?
2: No, but if they want to do a podcast, holler.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I would actually I would actually really love, um, I love a bit of housing porn. Like yeah, I follow yeah, a few yeah, Instagram same. accounts and stuff like that. I would love a TV shows just showing the best Best Airbnbs Airbnbs. around the world, like a Grand Designs by Airbnb. That'd be pretty dope. That would be because, like with Grand Designs, the thing is, or any of those shows, you can never actually go to the house; it's just a tease. Yeah. But with uh, Grand Designs Airbnb edition, you could book it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, they've got the that's the unique stays. I think there's one. There used to be an Airbnb. Now I can't remember if it was called Black or something like that, and it was like the ultra luxury Airbnbs that came with catering. So
3: these are other product extensions. There's Airbnb Plus and Airbnb. Then there's like a luxury category as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, And then have you heard of Airbnb Backyard? No. So this one is still on the go and huh for pets. No, no. Nice. Uh, so it's uh, the Airbnb's plans to design and build houses. What? The logic behind it is that they have a lot of data on where and how guests like to live, and so they're going. Yeah, le- but leveraged- guests
2: like to rent it because they're going on holidays. Yeah, that doesn't mean they like want to live there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, But as part of this backyard project, uh, Airbnb also quietly filed a patent for a reusable modular housing system and people have speculated what that means is that they'll create Airbnb homes that can adjust their layouts to meet demand in real time. Uh, So the same space could be rented as two one-bedroom units one week and then a two-bedroom apartment the next week. So basically, giving Airbnb flexibility to change uh, the supply based on demand. So they're going
2: into property development
3: w- without altering the footprint. No, it's a it's not property development. It's a reusable modular housing system.
2: Okay, so they're going into <laughs> pseudo, pseudo property development. <laughs> well, they just put it on a put it in a paddock somewhere and shift it around as people need it. If it's <laughs>
3: Well, I think it's – I mean, isn't every house just put in a paddock? Isn't that literally how houses started? So they and are then, going into property development. <laughs> uh, well, the article I was reading said there's been no visible movement on the project since. You know, we, we laugh at some of these things but – and the fact that they're a $130 billion company with a really strong core business means they can make some of these bets. So we, sh- we can't really have too much of a crack for them trying new things. They're, but, not, they're not profitable, though, right? No. Yeah. But I mean, it's twenty twenty one. Yeah. Who needs to be you'd, profitable? You'd lose <laughs> you'd lose market value if you're profitable. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something that is worth watching. Is Airbnb's inability to build a really successful complementary business to their core business?
2: I'm just actually looking at it there, at their profit numbers, and to your point around the resilience of um, revenues, they lost six hundred and seventy four million in two thousand and nineteen, and in 2020 lost 4.5 billion
3: yeah okay well yeah got slammed yeah yeah yeah. that's covid that's covid for you yeah Yeah. ouch (laughs) yeah
2: yeah look it's it's a fascinating company i I think the the moat that it has i think is pretty impressive like people say google it and now people just say instead of i'm going to this hotel or Did you get a booking.com? It's just, we've got an Airbnb.
3: Yeah.
2: Which Airbnb is staying at? Have you looked at it? Let's look for an Airbnb. Like it's the first point of call within our demographic anyway, within our group of friends, the way we do it, whenever you think about short-term travel.
3: Yeah. Now my biggest, so I've said that my biggest concern about the company is supply in terms of housing. And then I've talked about their product extensions. My third Concern that I want to talk about because we've we've had a lot of love for this company, but I think we just have to give the other side. I don't know if you've noticed what's been happening with Uber lately, but the amount of extra fees mm-hmm. and uh, all the the push notification ads mm-hmm. and all of these like extra little monetization gimmicks, splitting the service delivery fees. the delivery cost into a Hate delivery that. fee and a service fee. So this is all because Uber just runs two unprofitable businesses that don't have any. Uh, economies of scale or synergies between the two and they are getting a lot of pressure to be profitable. I worry when that pressure will hit Airbnb and what that will look like because they're a $130 billion company that operates in every country on earth almost and they're not profitable. It's not like there's a massive supply of housing to still come online that you know will eventually give them economies of scale. Like They're going to start getting pressure to Be profitable, and I just wonder what that will look like
2: for the fee structures,
3: or just in general for Mm. the business. Like, who, where does that additional margin come from, or like, where do they find additional revenue from, like product adjacencies or Mm. something like Mm. that? I hope they can do it, but for me, I think that that will be an interesting one to watch because the user experience on Uber has got significantly worse as they do this. Hundred percent, and you know. So many of our mates, like anecdotally, people are now downloading Ola or DD and you know, finding alternatives because it's just cheaper.
2: Or even the food delivery using different services Yeah, that yeah don't 100%. sting you with yeah. service fee plus delivery Although fee. Although they're plus. all just as expensive, I reckon.
3: But I think for me, that's the third thing that I'd be watching for Airbnb because it is this great business. But if that pressure comes, if they start having to charge... More, or they start taking more margin from hosts, and hosts decide to go to different platforms. Like that, that might upset the app, apple cart. Mm,
2: yeah. Mm. Well, Ren, uh, fascinating company, one that seems to be rebounding now a little from uh, devastating impacts of COVID. But yeah, 130 billion market cap, not something to shy away from, and and one that has really disrupted uh, an industry and and created its own industry in a way. So increased that addressable market that we've spoken about, the likes of Uber and co have done the same. So thanks to Superhero for supporting this episode. It is our second last one of the summer series, getting a bit sad that it's almost over, but we're finishing next uh, episode with one of Australia's great success stories and that is ResMed. Uh, You may not have heard of it, but it's uh, absolutely doing wonders in the world of sleep apnea.
3: Yeah, one of Australia's best uh, exports for the last few decades, I would say.
2: There we go. And if
3: you want to know why, tune Tune in in. next week. That's (laughs) it. So
2: a reminder that you can uh, win $1,000 in a superhero wallet Uh, Off the back of this episode if you enjoyed some of the key facts that we've just gone through in this episode then tell us which ones they are by dropping them in the comments uh, on our instagram post for today's episode over on our equity mates investing podcast instagram and we'll choose a lucky winner to win a thousand dollars in a superhero platform superhero now let you buy aussie and us shares as well as ETFs at no monthly uh, fee. And you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. But it's been fun, Ren, and we'll pick it up next week with the final episode of the Summer Series. Sounds good.
0: Equitymates Investing Podcast is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast.
3: Today's episode is proudly supported by Vanguard Super.
2: Now, as you know, here at Equity Mates, we hate fees.
3: And after just over a year in market, Vanguard Super have lowered their fees. Their award-winning lifecycle option now has one of the lowest fees on the market, more than 30% lower than industry average.
2: With a yearly fee of just 0.56%, which bundles administration fees, investment fees, and transaction costs, that's only $280 on a balance of $50,000.
3: Extend your investment success with Vanguard to your superannuation. Head to vanguard.com.au super to explore Vanguard Super.
2: Fee comparison based on super rating smart data as at 31. March 2024 other fees and costs may apply Vanguard Super PTYLTD is the trustee of Vanguard Super read the relevant PDS and TMD available at vanguard.com.au super and consider if a product is right for you before making any financial decisions
3: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts here's a show that we recommend
0: this is Roundabout season two, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you will be for sure. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness.